Kyobole, hijos de su reshingada madre. It's your boy Sammy here at the Desmadre.com studio, here with a bonus episode for this week's Desmadre podcast. Um, Jesus is out of town. He will be back shortly. He is vacationing, and we will get you a regular episode here in the next day or two. Um, but as it so happens, the universe filled in this little gap that we had here at Desmadre.com. The, the Chicano constellations put us in touch with two very dope individuals. They are first-time feature filmmakers, uh, Charlie Vela and Ronnie Garza. Um, they had a documentary that premiered last year at South by Southwest, as it's called As I Walk Through the Valley. As I Walk Through the Valley examines the histories and stories of musicians playing in the underground scenes throughout the decades told by the people who lived it. It is a really, uh, really amazing profile of the Rio Grande Valley and the music scene there. They did a really good job, and I want to thank them for coming through and talking about it. Um, so you can check that out at asiwalkthroughthevalleyfilm.com. Uh, please check it out and support these guys. Uh, you can buy it on Vimeo, watch it from the comfort of your own home, learn a little bit about the the Tejano scene, Conjunto, up until the 80s. I'm, I'm going to fuck it up because I don't know what the fuck I'm talking about. Uh, but luckily, Charlie and Ronnie do know what the fuck they're talking about, as you will see in this conversation. And um, so, yeah, be sure to check out the Desmadre.com podcast, share and subscribe if you haven't already, or on iTunes, Stitcher, SoundCloud, and Google Play. Um, so once again, um, follow these guys at as I walk through the valley film.com And I hope you enjoy it. We will talk to you all very soon. Peace! Right, so um, thank you guys for meeting up early. Um, especially the morning after your screening. Yeah, we're on Texas time, sort of. That's right, so yeah, it's like yeah, it's, so it's not that bad. Uh, so why don't we start with uh, you guys introducing yourselves, where you're from, and a brief description of your documentary. Okay. Uh, my name is Charlie Vela. I uh, live in Edinburgh, Texas. I'm from Westlaco, Texas, originally. Uh, and, uh, I, you know, my, my 9 to 5 is I'm a record producer and work in music and uh, one of the co-directors of As I Walk Through the Valley. Awesome. And Mr. Ronnie? Uh, my name is Ronnie Garza. Uh, I'm an experimental musician. Hell yeah. Winter Texan and um, democracy activist, co-director of As I Walk Through the Valley, which is 40 years of underground music from the Rio Grande Valley from the 60s up until the early 2000s. Awesome. Yeah, I'm uh, really excited to get into it. You guys are here because you um, screened the documentary at Stanford last night, right? Yeah, we screened it at El Centro Chicano and Latino. Yeah, yeah. That's the name mm-hmm. of the, the. It was a super cool like uh, space. And so awesome. We yeah. It there for a nice like intimate crowd last night. Yeah. The um, Jesus, the other half of Desmada, he went to Stanford, and mm-hmm. so he he's like we're f- familiar with like El Centro and active he, in this. Yeah, in yeah. The, in the, it's basically like a student center for like for beaners, right? For like right, uh, exactly. for, yeah, it was for the cool. brown. It was like hopping. Like even <laughs> I had tacos. They brought tacos. Oh we, shit. We had, we had a spread, <laughs> and it was like we asked who was they. They uh, were like, oh, who, where, where are they getting the food from? And it was like it was just some guy. Yeah, it was really. It was some it was like guy named Jose it. with no last name, and I was like, okay, that sounds like pretty legit. <laughs> That's hilarious. Somebody's you, uncle, the, you know, the, like the corn tortillas were pretty small. Yeah. Uh-huh. They were double wrapped. Yeah. Oh shit, legit. Um, how did you guys line that gig up? Uh, we, we were contacted by uh, a guy named Jonathan Leal, who is a um, he's a, P- a PhD uh, a candidate at Stanford. He's kind of doing like a like kind of a composite degree, you know, in the intersections between music and literature and all this stuff. He's from the Valley as well, and uh, and he contacted uh, he contacted me about working on um, kind of a, a musical project, and then um, there was you know the idea was like, hey, we should also bring you guys out and show the movie as well. Awesome. So and he's been so, hosting us and been super awesome. That's dope, man. Well, congratulations on on the documentary, man. Um, let's take a step back. I read that you guys uh, started making this film back in 2014, mm-hmm. and it premiered last year at South by Southwest mm-hmm. in Austin. So um, maybe talk about that process, about you know from the idea in 2014 to actually you know getting it done and it premiering at South by Southwest. Um, okay, so um, it was sort of like on a trajectory of, um, of filming stuff related to the Valley. Um, I was doing more um, activism, uh, video journalism in Austin, um, HB2, which affected the Valley more than other places. Damn, and yeah. then in 2014, um, the Central American uh, refugee crisis. Uh, a lot of a lot of kids were coming through McAllen and through other cities. So I was documenting that as well. 
And so there's a lot of attention on the valley, but the valley's always had the the issue of not having a lot of. Um, um, there's no clear idea as to what the people are like down there. Sure, it's it's mainly just known for illegal immigration or violence or you know even though there's no violence, but there's a sense of like the cartel violence for sure on the other side is spilling over. So um, this this was this was something that that seemed like a very different kind of um, kind of approach to exploring the place by exploring like something that was really unique and and like excellent. The, the 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 culture and the uh, something that something that was a little bit more inviting and and that and that uh, took away that distance uh, that sort of uh, sense of we're the other sure wanted to find a way to kind of like um, paint a paint a, a more detailed picture of the place right and there, there was a sense at the time that like all of the all the media coverage was all like you know it was all from outside it was all people helicoptered in. Of course. Two days, like, oh, look at look at these brown people. Aren't their lives shitty? Yeah. And then yeah. we're out of here. You yeah, know? yeah, yeah. And uh, let's go back to the coast. And uh, and there was there was like not a lot of um, there was not a lot of works about the place being made by people from the place. Sure. Um, I think yeah. Uh, one thing I really liked about the the documentary was um, you guys did a really good job of describing it. Uh, obviously, you're from there. And right at the beginning, there's a quote from one of the interviewees that I really liked, and he says. The Rio Grande Valley is at the southernmost tip of the United States of America, and Tejas, predominantly Chicano, Mexican-American. We are a synthesis, a fusion. We are a hybrid culture. We combine all these cultures in our music, our food, our dance, our language. It's who we are as a people. So how would you describe the RGV to people who aren't um, familiar with it? Well, real quick, that quote's from Juan Tejeda. Juan, that's who's, who it was. Who's a boss. Yeah, he's OG. In, yeah. Like, in Texas. <laughs> uh-huh. and, you is, know, he, he's, is he a musician? Yeah, he's a musician. Okay. And also an uh, educator uh, involved. He's a what, What's his name again? Uh, Juan Tejeda. Okay, cool, And he's, cool. he's involved, you know, at the forefront of the Mexican-American studies issue that's uh-huh. happening, like, right now, like, yesterday and today awesome. in, in Texas and stuff. So he has he has a lot of experience in explaining what, gotcha. what, what the, yeah. you know, Mexicans are about and the yeah places, yeah certain places are absolutely about. yeah he, he's he's got some really uh he he his turns of phrase and the way he describes it are really yeah like well honed absolutely yeah years of being an educator yeah so how I mean how would you guys describe um the valley just for people who might not be aware um we were just talking to upstairs to uh-huh. Fernando who's like um who uh, is part of debug who you know he's a non-profit organization upstairs from us and he was talking about how he's like you know, I went to San Juan and it was crazy. You know, yeah. I didn't. And so I think people in California, in L.A. or the Bay Area, even my I'm from Fort Worth. I'm North Texas. OK, right. And I don't even I, I, <laughs> I grew up like really not knowing shit about like even like San Antonio, barely. So, uh, yeah. How, how would you um, describe it's it? Super Mexican. Yeah, it's, it's, it's majority <laughs> minority. Like, yeah, yeah, you know, you can you can uh, you can look around, you can live there, uh, you can grow up there and. And kind of get compared to like when nationally or whatever have like a, a very kind of skewed idea about like um, you see everybody in positions you know all all kinds of jobs all kinds of like income levels and like everybody looks like you and has a last name like you and, yeah yeah you know um, and and has I I don't know uh, you know like uh, white kids who grow up in the valley like. I think they maybe have the experience that like everybody else has in other parts of the country. Sure. You know, <laughs> they, yeah, they, yeah, yeah. they, they feel like a little outsider and, uh-huh. and you know, there's kind of like this, this normalcy to like, to, to just being Brown there. Awesome. Yeah. Well, um, I think it's really dope of you guys to have made this, um, to have like people from there making it and defining it. It's, it's really cool. Um, I really like the, uh, maybe we can just get into the actual documentary a little bit. I really like the structure. Because it basically chronicles, like you were saying, uh, Ronnie, the music from the RGV from the 60s to the early 2000s. Uh, maybe we can spend a little bit of time uh, just talking about each decade because there's a lot of really cool shit in all of it. Um, yeah. <laughs> so wh- why did you guys start in like the 60s as opposed to, this might be a dumb question, but as opposed to like earlier, like what What about? It's a good question. We, we were talking about this yesterday at Stanford. Um, like, uh, so... When when we start uh, making it, we kind of like the idea was like, oh, we'll we'll uh, talk about the beginning of the punk scene, which we thought started in like 1998 or something like that. Uh-huh. Like when we were going to when we were you going guys to, were yeah, coming shows. of age. Yeah, there's shit. that sense of like, oh, well, nothing before me like happened or yeah, yeah, yeah. Or whatever. That's more or less how Especially I still there's think. no like there's no like transmission of history. Yeah, uh, or it's very it's very it's very weak. Gotcha. And so like, especially before the internet, right? Sure. So like, yeah, we're just talking about the stuff that we know about. Mm-hmm. 
And so um, once we started kind of going down that path, one of the first questions that we were thinking about was, well, who's the first punk band? And that really did start taking us further and further back, we realized. And uh, also around the same time, I'm not quite sure, maybe 2012. 12, yeah. The, there, was some, there was some spotlight on the musicians from the 60s because their 45s were selling for big bucks on eBay because they're so rare, these Faro 45s. Uh-huh. And so we became kind of aware of that. And it was, you know, it, it felt it felt right because in 2014 and like the 2010s, the whole psych thing was really kind of like coming back and like being like the garage rock and psych rock yeah. kind of sound was sure. like real popular. Yeah, yeah. So we thought it was kind of cool, like the sort of retro thing that we could kind of like explore what's in right now sure. by going back to the 60s. So it, it just cool. seemed to make sense to like, since we had to go f- further back to figure out the punk bands, well, maybe we can just find a way to bring those. To connect them. Yeah. yeah. Bridge, sure. bridge through the early 80s and the 70s. Because you, you start talking to those cats from the 60s uh-huh. and... Um, who are all in the featured in the in the film. Yeah, yeah yeah you start start and they tell you about their like careers and music and their trajectories yeah and uh as we're interviewing them some of them start saying like well you know uh we couldn't really play that many rock gigs or like people weren't really interested in that as the 70s were coming around so we all like joined chicano bands and, and tejano bands in right. the 70s and 80s sure and and it's like well you know that didn't happen everywhere that that's something that's kind of like unique to the texas sure region of course stuff. yeah yeah and uh and so and we started seeing kind of connections between the way that they were playing music and being in bands and the way that some of these like bands and punk bands later were, were kind of like conducting themselves. Yeah. And so it just, you know, you started seeing, noticing parallels between all these different generations. That's awesome. Especially because they're like, you know, they're all living in the same place. They're, they're dealing with a lot of the same kind of coming of age um, issues and lack of institutional support. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and it was really good for us to kind of like cover that 70s, that 70s uh, era, because it, it really recast that the origins of Tejano music as a sort of proto-punk, as a sort of like these guys were in it because they were trying to like make a change, like the early Chicano music, like Steve Jordan and stuff like that. Sure. Yeah. I just like I not heard of that to, dude before. They and... were trying to re-embrace this sort of um, more traditional sound yeah, as, a, yeah. as a way to kind of show brown pride. For sure. And so it has this whole um, uh, uh, political uh, uh, side to it. At Absolutely. The, at the so it's very similar to punk. One of my uh, favorite anecdotes from from the movie is when I think his name is uh, one second Javier Rios of uh-huh. the Cavaliers. Uh-huh. He describes how he goes. He like in the middle of the fifties, he would go to a jukebox and with a pen and paper and like write down the lyrics. Yeah. Of the song. And part of me was like, man, I'm glad I grew up in the internet age. <laughs> and then another part of me was like, I'm never going to experience something as wholesome as like that story. And it's, it's, it's really cool to, to see my, I guess my question about like, um, starting in the sixties is like, is it a matter of just like, um, of like, just, uh, the, like the, the people that were in the back coming like of age, like in terms of technology, were they able to finally like record themselves and they weren't able before or? Well, like it's, it's a lot of, a lot of like, uh, history is, it's all kind of, you know, it's moderated by like who has access to tools, who has access to the media Mm -hmm. and, uh, the means to document yourself. Uh So like, um, in the 1960s, there just like happened to be, um, this guy named Jimmy Nichols who had a small studio there in, in, in like kind of on the south side of McAllen a little bit. Um, and he was recording all kinds of music like mariachis and conjuntos, but he was also doing uh, these rock bands. And he was like, for, for some of them, he was within their kind of like means to, to go and record for like an hour or something. Right. And so, so there was, there was like at least that was available to some people. Right. Um, and, and, some 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 of the other bands, you know, like depending on who your parents were or whatever, sure. have more recordings than others. Gotcha, gotcha. Um, and uh, but but I mean, like during that time, it, it it does become like clear, you know, like um, we we while we were doing the research, there was a a photo archive in in Harlingen that we came across, and it's uh-huh. like it's from the very early days of the 20th century in the valley, and it's kind of like the town photographer Whoa. who would like pass his collection down the next guy to the next guy to the next guy, uh-huh. and. For like decades, it's like if you look at just the photos, it's like pictures of businesses and like 
you know dinner parties and things like that. Right. It's like you wouldn't know that Mexican people lived there. <laughs> Shit. Yeah. Because yeah. like they couldn't afford to have their picture taken. Right. Right. <laughs> you know? Exactly. And yeah. uh, and then on the, but on the on the other side of the valley, like um, this is around the time uh, Nano Ramirez was founding Falcon Records. Gotcha. Yeah. And I was they about to ask became about very that. successful. Yeah. So um, um, that's was that more into the seventies when that the Falcon Records became. They became big in the sixties. Okay. Like they that's when they really like got their. Made, started making their mark but then you know nano kept growing the company uh-huh. eventually he had like tv programs and they were broadcast all over like south and central america uh-huh. and he was like taking that music international cool yeah and then another that, that's awesome another thing uh during this time that that's talked about in the movie is how um these bands were also kind of going to mexico as well to kind of like draw inspiration well, from one another so okay so you know big picture on the on the 60s is is part of it is you know you see a segregated scene you see three different scenes uh-huh. so um like we we talked to jaime uh from the from the innkeepers um uh, at the beginning of the of the film and he's like you know it was all Mexicanos on this side of the of the tracks, mm-hmm. uh, and that was the case throughout many cities in the valley. That um, th- there would be a bright line division between the north side, south side, east side, yeah. west side, or something like that. So basically, like the the white bands versus the in a, in a way, and, and they and they have different inspirations too. Like the the north side bands are ma- more into maybe the um, British invasion, whereas the south side bands are also picking up on like James Brown, and they're picking up on like soul and stuff like that. Yeah, and so that's like coming out in the music sure so so you have these stylistic differences that are coming as a result of of those um those um, i don't know separations sure and then on the other you have a third scene in in mexico right which is really interesting because that's really where the whole where all the venues are there aren't venues for this kind of music in on the american side of the border it, it's being played in churches and street dances and stuff like that in uh-huh. the civic center but in mexico you have actual venues like the alaskan or um uh, lion's den lion's den yeah so right. and they and they're they're bars like in nightclubs in in the you know like what you recognize as a nightclub today and it's uh-huh. like it was all uh the relationship was like it was all the vice for like teenagers and you know young adults was all in Mexico. You yeah, go, well, you go for, over there to like you know. It's, get, yeah, it's almost get like wild. A, almost like a stereotype of like there's no rules in Mexico. Yeah, right? well, and so, it was marketed that way. Yeah, you know, for, yeah. for people even for uh, for the valley advertising for people from the north to come and move down and invest and that sort of thing. I mean, part of the attraction was, and then you can go to lively Mexico, wild Mexico. Yeah. You know, right. what? So those ba- those bands were like playing American music to american people they're uh-huh. like entertaining them yeah they're playing like long sets like uh-huh. every night and they're getting really <laughs> fucking good you know it's like you hear about the beatles like playing in germany uh-huh. like you know getting their ten thousand hours and whatever it's like these bands are doing that that's um uh-huh. they're kind of like phonetically translating american songs in, into spanish so they could like pronounce the words and you know uh-huh. and then they would go on to have careers in mexico too and it serves as, a, as an important sort of um uh um bridge between what's happening in american uh, music and what's happening in mexico because these bands on the border are able to hear the american radio they're able to hop across the border and go to like the record shops in mccallan or something like that brownsville and then take that stuff down down into mexico yeah so so the the northern bands are are becoming very influential throughout the rest of mexico at this time as well and some of them get much uh, much bigger in in uh, mexico proper like how down to mexico city how is that uh that changed now like there's not as much of like ease of access between um the two countries like today right it's not as like well yeah, and, and vestido uh talks about that once we get into the late 90s um the ceci um and the girls from vestido are all from reynosa and they talk about you know when when they were in the scene the late 90s early 2000s it was still really happening uh but now it's uh, you know you go across the border and it's mm-hmm. kind of like they're, just... they're they're the scenes are more isolated from one another hmm. but like I, I don't know i mean there's things going on there are plenty of like kind of scenes in mexico going on right now sure you know they're strong uh-huh. uh, uh i follow on, on facebook the monterrey emo club <laughs> i love like all their posts and like they have that the, you know it's very active and the like that that touring circuit and that fan base is like very active yeah but they're on under themselves and like I, I don't know. There's just a, there is a lot less of that kind of going back and forth. That gotcha. sense that you know, uh, we straddle things. It's like each country is like unto itself a little more. Well, Tamaulipas has become uh, a, a difficult state in Mexico. Sure. Uh, to exist, 
Um, but there are still uh, you'll see you'll see um, uh, Mexican bands like from Matamoros or from Reynosa hop across over, and I've, I've been seeing a lot more of that hop across over to Harlingen or Brownsville or something like that and play. That's that's great. So, what was um, the Avandaro Music Festival? That oh, happened. Avandaro was like Avandaro, it yeah. was it was like a like a moment in uh, Mexican rock music uh-huh. in the in the early seventies. Uh, it was like Mexican Woodstock. Yeah, uh, yeah. They just recently celebrated a, like a like a fortieth, thirtieth, fortieth. One of their anniversaries. A big anniversary just passed. Sure. And, you know, bands that played at this festival. Uh, you know, it was hundreds of thousands of people. They were getting medals for like participating in this moment in Mexican cultural history. Yeah. Uh, There's a documentary that just came out about the festival, Abajo del Sol en Frente de Dios, I believe uh-huh. it was called. And um, and yeah, it was just it was it was this this uh, this kind of like high watermark in like this kind of American or English influenced music that was being made in Mexico. So they're playing a lot of this kind of like acid rock and, you know, playing in those styles. La Onda Chicana. And yeah. um, it, it was, you know, part of that kind of global 60s thing is complicated because it was uh, rebellious in its own way because the the Mexican government was like, well, you know, you're celebrating this this other culture. That yeah, yeah. It's like yeah. kind of like pillaging for sure. us. Yeah. And so yeah. there was pushback against that kind of stuff and had to go underground remember we shortly after that, the festival yeah yeah when we talked to that guy he talked about those those like holes or the funky holes what was that how do you say funky holes in spanish oyos something yeah oyos, oyos funky. funky oyos, oyos funky, funky yeah uh-huh. yeah and that was like the these underground uh um uh, when it after that period when things started to go underground that and they would call those shows uh-huh. yeah, the, funky oyos holes funky. yeah but but like you know um uh, the was like such a big thing it it elicited like a, a large pushback a cultural pushback sure so people on television like you know decrying this like corrupting influence of the united states and you know there's like a push towards a more like um, a more uh, like kind of ethnically national sure. like, music. And, yeah, and yeah. Are the acceptable forms of musical expression. Yeah, and stuff like that. That's awesome. Um, so in 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 the valley, <clears throat> we're talking the talking about like the hybrid culture, and into like into the seventies, like what um, there was always like a strong presence of like Tejano, Conjunto, and Norteño. So how did those two exist at the same time, or were they separate, or were they kind of feeding off of each other? Well, like, you know, there's there's some, like, elements of, like, evolution between uh-huh. the styles. But then uh-huh. also, uh, like, Conjunto is, like, a, a roots American music. It's, like, jazz or blues or or, or anything like that. Gotcha, it's like, yeah. It's, it's, it happened in the United States. It just happened on the border. And it's in Spanish, so, like, people think it's just Mexican. a Mexican thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But it's, it's, very, it's very much like a, like an American roots music. Yeah, and it, and I didn't it, know and, that. <laughs> and, and just like that, it's uh-huh. got kind of traditionalists, standard bearers, people who are like, this yeah. is the way that you play Conjunto. Sure. And we don't mess with that you yeah know? yeah and then you have the people who uh like Tejano was like the popification of that really you know? like okay you, you go from like underground like late 70s heavy metal uh-huh. to poison yeah you know yeah. what i mean and it's like it's like glitzy and there's like a light show and there's fog machines mm-hmm. and sequins you know and so like um so there's like like strong stylistic like differences between the two and like yeah. I, i'm sure you're gonna talk to a lot of Conjunto people who are like oh we don't like listen to that shit yeah know? yeah um but but um but yeah so there's there's like one feeds into the other but they also kind of like have their own streams yeah of like people who are you know yeah the, protective your, your documentary depicts really well that um that like uh, idea of you know something uh like a, in music of it becoming like mainstream and then there's this great sort of uh, reference or quote by somebody that says that like this was kind of like the precursor to the punk subculture uh-huh. of like always like trying to basically subvert the mainstream. And so um, yeah, nothing's like less cool than what your parents listen to. Exactly. Even, like, dude, their, yeah. even their rebellious music is like Ugh. exactly. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, also, that's like the the urbanization of Valley is like really strong during gotcha. that time. So it's see. like you have cable television is happening you yeah, know what I mean? yeah, so like yeah, we're yeah. getting mass media we're being exposed to like underground stuff in in you know smaller in small ways but like you, you have a window uh-huh. outside of like where you live and it's like well i'm i'm uh, i'm more american than my parents were right or right whatever. exactly and the, the urbanization does really push the the language change the, it pushes a divide between the past generation and the current generation and so you and your own cohort if you're all speaking english that's what you're going to be listening to as well. Mm-hmm. Those are the kind of musical sentimentalities that are kind of come out. 
Um, also, you know, the early Tejano music, they called Chicano music. And yeah. so some of that connection to the earlier styles was this brown pride thing. Exactly, um, yeah. And, and bringing back like this Narciso Martinez era. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. Accordion yeah. stuff. Yeah, yeah. But also like those kids played in rock bands when they were in the 60s. Right. So they like want to play a drum set. Yeah. You know what I mean? And they're adding a drum set and Ex- electric bass mm-hmm. to what was like a campfire music. Sure. Yeah. And yeah. then also the, the political environment of the time of the 60s and the right. 70s. Like you're saying, like Chicano the word itself is kind of charged yeah you know in terms of uh, politically charged what would be the big picture for like the the 70s in terms of 70s is like a lot of people finding success outside of the valley you know so um like artists like freddie fender yeah who was yeah. like a major country star in the 1970s sure he uh you know he's from he's from san Benito, poor as dirt he grew up like in the same neighborhood as my father-in-law mm-hmm. you know and uh and he, you know, went to prison, did all these things, and he found he he found success kind of like he had two kind of like blips with brushes with success, and uh-huh. then uh, in rock and roll, and then he became this like huge country star, with number one hits. He was like on all the morning shows, uh-huh. you know. He's like, um, and uh, but he had to he had to leave in order to do that. Yeah. And uh, and Toby Bo is like another artist who they they kind of like max out what they can do in the valley. They're like, oh, we want you play everywhere here. There's like nothing else to do, so they they move out and they also have like attain some national success with the their song "My Angel Baby." That's and, awesome. And Esteban Jordan, you know, coming out of the of the Chicano music, who's tradition. described as the Jimi Hendrix of the accordion. Yeah. Or so y'all gotta check that shit. Out. People say that Jimi Hendrix is the Esteban Jordan. That, the, exactly. The, that's the better put. My bad. <laughs> because he's this genius. Yeah. He's this musical genius uh-huh. that. Um, people in japan are getting into these days you know uh-huh. like mm-hmm. he got an eye patch and everything yeah yeah so <laughs> so really it's it, there's there's some, yeah there's, yeah. Some, there's yeah, some yeah. icons that come out of here that that uh, set the tone for uh, later generations gotcha yeah gotcha. like like esteban's playing the berlin jazz festival and he's mm-hmm. like and and uh and, and his family they they moved around all the united states so they have very strong connections here in california um and all throughout you know all like Everywhere migrant workers went. Yeah, that, that reminds me. Maybe you can talk about the the touring route that these bands were taking in terms of like them playing at labor camps, which right. yeah, had like no idea. Migrant about. labor camps were the venues because like you know uh, people from the valley go all over the country. Yep. And there's little pockets mm-hmm. everywhere you go. You yep, know, it's like yep. oh, I know some. You know, my my grandparents are from San Benito or whatever. Yeah, or and it, Chicago, right? Yeah, and, Chicago. Uh, yeah. It's like it's it's and and then over time people settle. Mm-hmm. down and you know like i don't want to go back or, or or whatever and um but those 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 spots become a touring circuit it's like the chitlin circuit in the in the early days of right. rock and roll right right you got to go to where the people who want to hear your music are exactly that's awesome yeah. um so then the 70s are saying the uh, bands in the valley are getting success outside of the valley and starting to get recognition starting to get recognition and, and also broadening like the scope of like the music that could come out of there uh-huh. country music can come out of the valley awesome yeah or, yeah or experimental Tejano or something like yeah, that yeah yeah that's what's cool about that kind of want to highlight about the RGV that it is uh, like a really um, like we started off saying that people don't know it's like south of San Antonio what's there mm-hmm. and but it's really like this like little pocket of like where it's just like super culturally rich and it sounds like in uh, in the 70s, it kind of came into its own. And it wasn't just like trying to mimic like the the, the 60s or whatever was happening in, in America. Right. Right. And yeah, it was it, like for the rest of the movie, it tracks American popular music or underground music um, pretty well. You know, when, when hardcore is happening in D.C., it's happening, you know, in the Valley a little yeah, bit later, yeah. Metallica, et cetera. Sure. But uh, in, in the Valley during the 70s, there's that's where the glitch is, where the popular music of the of the time is that more Spanish yeah. Chicano music. And there's gotcha. a lot of, there's a lot of thing go, things going on, like politically and culturally during that time. Mm-hmm. Like there's kind of... Um, the, the the power structures uh, politically and, and economically are kind of like turning around like it's it was very agricultural for a long time and that's starting to change during that during that period mm-hmm. we're becoming more kind of like retail consumer yeah. based yeah and um, and so you know you ha- you start seeing uh, you know uh, Chicano mayors and city council people and prominent business people yeah, and, yeah. and and you know like they're they're coming into their own and like this music is happening at that time too. And that has to happen in the Valley too. It's one of those things that when I I grew up in the Valley kind of taking for granted was thinking that it's all Mexicans all the time here. Yeah. But really, you know, 
there was a large influx of Anglo folks at a certain point, and then they owned all the shit. Yeah, so right. At right. The, around the turn, of, like around the turn of the twentieth century, it was like marketed uh, to people from outside of the valley as like, oh yeah, come here. Like you know, these people work for nothing and Fuck, you know, yeah, own yeah. the world. You know, uh-huh. uh, and uh, it was it was very like deliberately marketed as a uh, as a as a place for people to come and like own land. Um, so that, sure. that it took time for that to to change in any way, shape, or form. But right, like, right. It's 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 diverse uh, uh, culturally because like you can be a Mexican person living there, and you don't. You can you can kind of like find the things that you like, uh, and differentiate yourself kind of more freely than you can if you're like a, part of a small group in right. the middle of a sea of other people. Yeah, like um, you can get into country music, and you can kind of like live the. Uh, the RGV like country kicker life, yeah, yeah you know, yeah. and it's like I I drive a truck and I listen to this and uh-huh. I go to these dances, just listening to country rolling all yeah, the time, all the day, <laughs> every day, and uh, or or you can be like, no, I'm a I'm a hardcore kid and I listen and I'm from you know what I mean like yeah yeah it's a uh, there's there's like a freedom there because like everybody choose your own adventure yeah everybody's like you so you're not yeah. just like you're not just putting like a category of like you guys are the Mexican kids right right. You know? So yeah, so now into um, the end of the '70s, into the '80s, like you're saying, um, what was that like for you guys? Or um, I was a baby, baby. <laughs> or I mean, like later on, I guess. Yeah, I mean, what we what we explore in the in the film, at least, is is what you were talking about. Is like you know, uh, Tejano starting to to get big, and it's starting to get a little bit more commercial. Uh-huh. And so the kids, the youth, are looking for something more rebellious. And um, there is a lot more mass media tape trading. Thrasher Mag, you know, eventually MTV, yeah, and so um, the the younger kids are starting to to get into that into that sound. Um, the fr- right at this time though is when we find it's kind of like the major academic uh, uh, one of the major academic elements of the movie, which is we found the first punk band. We documented the first punk band out of the valley, yeah. which happens in seventy nine eighty, uh, and, the, and that's the steroids. That's the is, is that the the ones with the luchador masks? No, no that's that, catastrophe. That's, 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 that's a good bit later. Okay, yeah, sorry, sorry. Yeah, because I was want to bring that up because it's the 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 poster for your film and yeah. just, right. it looks so tight. Like, <laughs> <laughs> it is like the the perfect depiction of the hybrid. I feel like that we're right. Discussing, it's a you know. great picture. It was yeah, taken absolutely. by it was taken by a, a guy uh, who played in a bunch of bands in the valley. His name is uh, Donner Maldonado. Cool. He played in Charlie Daniels' Death Wish, and he plays in Death Death Motif in Austin now. And uh-huh. he just he was like he was just that kid with a with a film camera back then. You gotcha. Know, and he like he got some really cool shots. That's so awesome. That okay, so sorry. All the, all the, the black and white. All the black and white, real artsy <laughs> shit. You know? That's yeah, yeah. Because Charlie Daniels is all fucking artsy. That's awesome. Yeah. Sorry. The, so the steroids. So the, yeah. So the steroids happen at this time, and it, it's kind of marking this this uh, shift in the culture because they're going to Austin. They're getting turned on to new wave and bands like the Dicks and stuff like that are 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 what's happening, and so they're bringing that down, and they're kind of like in a they're in like a little island to themselves right like hard there's not much of a scene there but it inspires this next group of kids that's going to start throwing the shows in the exactly mid-80s. yeah yeah so like like rick uh is McGee. rick mcgee is listening he's like a he lives down kid. the street and he's like listening to them practice he's like sneaking over to the house and like in the bushes listening uh-huh. to them practice yeah. as like a little kid and, and a few he, years later he's like throwing what shows. what year is this roughly like, like well this would be in the early 80s. like like early 79 80s. 80 yeah you know kind of the, the series only lasted a few years uh one of the members passed away and that was kind of like the end of the band gotcha you know so uh they were just kind of like a little blip Damn. but it was amazing we found a whole live performance that they do out in a fucking in the middle of the mesquite sort of like it's nothing but trees around <laughs> in harlingen <laughs> and uh, they look like they're space aliens uh doing this weird uh new wave punk stuff and really really high quality music uh-huh. uh, a lot of jazz jazz players in there but but yeah so so they inspire this next generation of kids that want to like bring that in they, they they're hearing this outside of outside of the valley it's something different it's something new and they want to bring it to the valley they want to start bringing those bands from corpus or from austin or from wherever sure. to the place and then have some local acts try to start you know right getting, right. A, getting a scene going uh-huh. and so that's really in a, in a sense that mid-80s scene is is takes us to where we are today. Yeah. Like yeah. They they're the ones who kind of form the model. They start renting out the Quinceañera halls. Yeah. yeah. These Which is described halls. in the yeah. that's awesome. They start finding the abandoned buildings. What was it the what was that that venue called again? The, well, there was a Sun Palace. Uh-huh. And then there's Palmer Pavilion. Palmer was was a was a a city 
a city spot, yeah. but the Sun Palace mm-hmm. was and, an, a, a hall. And then gotcha. in, in the early nineties, it was Trenton Point. That's what I was like, okay. Which, gotcha. the, which which was like the center for a very very long time. Yeah, you know? yeah. For like um, over when, a, when did you over say a, it stopped? Like early two thousands, like over a decade. Yeah, exactly. Over a de- wow. a decade Ten years uh-huh. at least. And uh, and it started, you know, like that. It was it was kind of a trip to track the owner down because uh-huh. like, he's in it yeah he's that's in right it. Yeah. I, I mean we, I, we knew his last name was he just like headbang what does he say he says, like, uh, he says uh, <laughs> yeah headbangers yeah, yeah the, the expanded to include headbangers yeah exactly yeah. yeah yeah uh, but but you know he uh, I knew his name was Mr. Diaz mm-hmm. that's all I knew about him yeah. he was really nice apparently uh-huh. I never really talked to him and you know we just like through the magic of the internet you know we found his his, his wife's phone number her like cell phone number holy shit and so we call him up and convince him that we're not identity thieves. Yeah, we're, we're, we're just cold calling somebody. Have yeah, your uh, and, social and, security number? Yeah, for real, for real. And he, invite, he invited me over, and then we start, so we start chatting, and uh, and I pull out the camera to like interview him. And uh-huh. I'm like, Whoa, what uh-huh. do you think you're doing there, pal? Yeah, yeah. And uh, and I was like, well, we're gonna do the interview. He's like, well, I don't want you to like have my picture, and then you can. Uh, I was like, well, then I can, uh, you know, well, if we're not gonna do the interview, I guess I can leave. So we talked for a while and calmed him down. Uh-huh. And, uh, and and uh, we talked for a really long time, but he was um, he was like an educator. He he taught like auto body chef, huh. you know. And uh, and and even though that wasn't like his plan for that place for know, the venue for right? the venue, yeah. he wanted it to be like you know uh, just like a, a standard quinceanera hall, like uh-huh. a, an event center, you know, yeah, yeah, wedding, yeah. you know, that kind of crap. Sure. And uh, but he really loved like the fact that kids were doing that on their own. Yeah. And he's like, they were so like respectful, and everybody was like really you know but they're all good kids like he, he had that's that awesome. kind of that kind of sense of things that, and uh that's not something that i would have expected you know i would have thought like i don't want these fucking crusty ass punks coming yeah, in you know, here that, like. that's, that's what you think. he didn't like he certainly didn't like get it he didn't understand sure. the music yeah yeah he's yeah. just like oh i like i like frank sinatra you know what <laughs> and i think he turned he i think he turned the uh, uh turned his eyes away from time to time as to the craziness that was happening in the parking lot yeah yeah, yeah the par- parking yeah. lot was like where you know you smoke drinking drink shit and, yeah 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 uh, but that is really tight. That was uh, another really like highlight for me was um, that venue in particular. That guy basically letting these like kids like do their thing, you know, right. like which which is really cool. I, for, I feel for like a super long time. Yeah, yeah. and sometimes <laughs> that, at a discounted price. Yeah, and, I mean, like, he you would know, work with them. You know, where where the you know, the ordinary price for renting out the place is like over a grand or whatever. Uh-huh. It's like oh, you guys can have like five hundred bucks or or, yeah. or it's like oh, we lost money on this show. It's like it's all right, don't worry about it. Is that place still open? Or? No. Oh, man. It is a vegetarian buffet now. Oh, shit. <laughs> so, uh, no, actually, that's closed. What? Yeah. So, what? so yeah, it was not open for long. That was a hot um, minute. Yeah. So, so the, the venue, he sold the venue in the early 2000s mm-hmm. to, um, it's a, it's like, a, it was like an Indian temple, an Indian community center. Uh-huh. And, uh, and then they opened up a, a vegetarian buffet next to it. Uh-huh. And I don't know, something with the zoning, they really? had to, they had to close it down. Damn, yeah. when did that close? It's very, it, like, it was only open a few months, Man. but, but it wasn't it, that, it was okay. It was okay. <laughs> <laughs> it, it was oh, weird. Oh, it was a trip though to go in there. Uh, I hadn't been there in over a decade uh-huh. and yeah. like, and you're it's eating. still up though. The, all the yeah. seamsters went down there. Like, uh-huh. Yeah. Or it's all eaten non and like, just like looking Nostalgia. around. That's hilarious. <laughs> Um, another really cool um, aspect about this time was the advent of the internet, and um, how did the 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 scene, the the RGV music scene, kind of utilize it to its advantage? Well, okay, so let's let's again let's take another step back real quick. Sure, of course. I don't know what our time's like here. No, but, no, we uh, have plenty all the time. In the eighties, um, you have this you have this scene that's developing, and and people are sort of like congealing around it, and so you 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 have what comes before like the internet. You have a scum zine. You have yes, this, yes. this zine culture that's developing as uh-huh. a way to like communicate with Corpus Christi because they're like. Uh, either tape trading, they're sending zines back doing, and forth. Yeah, yeah, they're sending zines back and forth, and so they're creating a network um, already by the mid '80s and late '80s. Uh-huh. And that's uh, SGUM, right? Yeah, yeah, exactly. SGUM. And who started Slimy, that again? Green Ukmash. Yeah, um, uh, uh, Cindy and Yvonne. Uh, the chicks, the chicks, as, as they, they were, were known. known. Yeah, they they were promoters, uh-huh. and they were, uh, you know, they were they. They kind of like tied the whole scene together through their through That's their awesome. interviews and their zines yeah. and stuff. Otherwise, you just have a bunch of like sweaty dudes and bands. Who yeah, just like, yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like they don't talk to each other. Yeah. They don't know anything. And then like, I'm gonna play much on the lead. But you know, they they through the zines, like you learned about other people who are in your scene. Huh. They become people. Like like they, they they did interviews. They did interviews. They become like you. So I know something about the singer from Confused just from reading the interview. Yeah, even if, yeah. Even if like. 
I was afraid to talk to him at the show or whatever. That's really and, awesome. And and uh, and then and they're booking, you know, shows with kind of this nerdy uh, like enthusiasm. Yeah, where they're like, yeah. They're it's growing a, it. You know, they're like they want to make it as big as it can be. That's how they express themselves within the scene. It's it was kind of a trip hearing those or watching those two women talk about it because they just kind of look like just like very normal. Yeah, they're moms. They're, you know, yeah. yeah and, totally. and then, but they're like, yeah, you know, we're part of this like uh, really kind of fucking DIY punk yeah. and they're just talking they have like the the binder and like, they're like overload? Yeah. Yeah. Overload? yeah 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 so it's a bit of a trip I was just like whoa yeah. right? Cindy like regular- actually reminds me of one of my aunts a lot and and, 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 and you know she's an educator everyone of everyone's, everyone's aunt for real <laughs> yeah 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 she, she's you know she's, she's a teacher she's, a, like she's, a, like, a, she's like, like an administrator administrator now hmm. you know she's got her she's got her Morrissey poster in her office you know and, and, and that's just part of that thing it's like these people go out into the community and they're part of the community at all levels you know like yep, do all yep. kinds of stuff and uh and that's why these scenes like they they have uh they affect the 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 wider culture of the area you sure know? it influences people for their whole lives uh-huh. some some of them and and so like um that scene then kind of eventually starts dying out and uh, a new sound emerges by the early 90s mm-hmm. again it's tracking um, uh, underground music in, in the rest of the uh, the rest of the states, and sure. so more Jane's Addiction, more indie alternative, rock, alternative yeah. scene is developing by the early '90s, and they're they they have tapes or they have like uh, tape uh, video VHSs of some of these performances from the past, yeah, you know, so, discussed and stuff like that. So like the early '90s bands are watching videotapes of the late '80s bands. Sure thinking that's the coolest shit they've ever seen. Of course, yeah. yeah. And like and that's and that's how the scene is transmitted, you know, pre internet. Gotcha. Know, like, yeah, yeah, of course. <laughs> and and that's the scene that finds Trenton Point. They find it in ninety three and they establish it as a place where bands can play. And they also uh, utilize Club X um, the Metropolis or whatever, and, uh-huh. uh, and they they throw a lot of shows there, and so the, they they sort of uh, and which which is documented in 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 the like the guys had actual cameras right that yeah they, right, they yeah. were filming each other the, going to the venue and talking to the guy that was a huge find because it was crazy. like it's yeah. like it's that it's it's so early it, uh, Jude Tenguma is the is he was the singer for several bands. Uh, yeah, so he's, but he's, he's an IPM Victoria's Secret. Secret, but he he's like filming a video diary, and uh-huh. it's just like the most nighty shit ever, right? Yeah, like, yeah. This is my video diary, and he's talking to the yeah. camera and stuff, narrating pretty much like all of the kind of misadventures of the day of the show. Yeah, you know, it's like oh, our shit's breaking, it's gonna <laughs> rain, and you know, uh, what time do we have to get here? And you know, all it's awesome. Stuff. Yeah, it, yeah. Was, it was it was something we found kind of like late in the process of really? making the film, and we had to kind of re we yeah. worked that whole we, we section. redid that section of the movie because it yeah. was like basically a montage and like. Like a little bit of like Ivana walking around this old venue and stuff like that, but then we had all this stuff to work with that yeah. was like primary from, source, yeah, yeah exactly like, primary source. And it, and and if if you could have like scripted it, it, it probably you couldn't have done it better than no that. way, you know, it's, yeah, it's so yeah. it's so real and it's so kind of like clumsy and cute and like I don't know, it's like it's very heartwarming. They're 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 a, a little bit older than us, but it's like mm-hmm. ah, like I felt like I was like that, you know, I, yeah, I yeah. knew kids like that, and it felt it, the connection was a lot stronger. We were, more of like a similar kind of like age group but sure. you know i don't know it it, it 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 felt like what what it what i feel like it feels like for people who are not from the valley to see it and feel some recognition in the in the experiences but even though you don't know the people they're like kind of like yeah, yeah like, even me I, like i, I, I said like yeah, i was like yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well it was all this a lot of the same elements mm-hmm. you know like um the the videotaping like we're we were videotaping stuff in high school and the expanding out to all these like various different places like like club x and trenton point yeah. and the and the circle mm-hmm. like over at, at pan am and stuff like that and so it's like almost like the same stuff that's happening in the late 90s and they're just kind of like they're creating just getting that, it started yeah they're just getting it going and again before the internet age yeah, yeah before this the internet all before age. the internet yeah. so you know it's like uh you call somebody from the payphone. If they're not home, they're not home. Yeah, yep. Like, are you guys coming to the show? Yeah. Um, uh, and if uh, there's none of this, like, I'm gonna text you like two minutes after the show starts, so like, I'm not gonna make it, guys. Like, you know, people were people were expecting. <laughs> Which you we to have be the there. luxury to do now. <laughs> yeah, you can, you can be like, it's way easier to be flaky you now. But but yeah, I mean, they were they were doing all this with like you know within the means of technologically where they were of course and it was weird in that scene we find like just randomly like a guy who's like super big right now Raul Castillo mm-hmm. is in in the in the scene there he's in Victoria's Secret mm-hmm. and uh, IPM and yeah. uh, and he's just sort of like doing his creative thing at that time and then goes on to become this huge star yeah it's very interesting you know because we see a lot of 
one of the questions that we get a lot after the movie is like, where are they now? Mm-hmm. And you see these different trajectories yeah. of, of people's lives after the, after the music. Yeah. Like, yeah. Where do they, where do they do? Where do they go? Absolutely. And it's also really cool that you guys got the actual people from those bands from the sixties up until now to t- actually, you get to see them talk about their experience. It's not just being retold or whatever. Right. So. The, and they were all, you know, super, by and large, like just super excited to talk about. Of course, yeah. You know, I can I'll only tell imagine. you all about the band Hell that yeah. was when I was sixteen. Yeah, like, yeah. Like my kids don't want to hear about that, you know. Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> and uh, and everybody's super generous with their time and their stories, you know. Sure, sure. Yeah, I feel like uh, people always definitely want to tell like their story, um, regardless of how long it's been. Or um, so yeah. So in into the uh, late nineties yeah. in the two thousands. So th- and that's that's the time when we're going to hit catastrophe, right? Yeah. That's that's when uh, Memo is wearing the Lucha the Lucha mask. mask and, yeah. Okay. You know, the were, sounds are getting they're, harder. They're right in between, like the the you know the the catastrophe was like kind of its own crew. Mm-hmm. There's Spitcore Americana Records. You know, uh-huh. like they there was like a little kind of constellation of bands that all recorded with with Arnold, and uh, you know they kind of all had this really grimy rough sound uh-huh. and so they were they were kind of like Arnold's Arnold's like a little bit younger than the kids from the early 90s but a little bit older than the kids from the late 90s and he was like uh, uh, helping helping the early 90s kids set up yeah he, he was, was like, like he was like the, the little kid gotcha. hey hold this carry this you yeah, know? Yeah, yep. and he started recording bands and uh-huh. you know and he's like an amazing drummer and uh, and he, his band Catastrophe were like you know they're they were a force like their their stage presence and like, sure you know they they memo is still a force. Mem- no, I yeah. saw him play they, not too long ago. They all still Car Wash. play. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, they play in like a, a a Black Sabbath cover band. Oh yeah, yeah, or a Kiss cover band and a Black Sabbath cover band. I believe. I fucking they, hate Kiss. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. But but I mean they would have you know us, yeah. they would have they would have the they would have the mask and dress up and uh-huh. they would have like strippers performing with Hell them yeah. and they like uh, they started a riot one time at like a, <laughs> at a high school. Oh yeah. At the- at a high school talent show, they started. Like they, there was fire in the crowd. You know, they got, they, got the, they had the power cut and people throwing chairs and all this stuff was like some crazy. You know, they just like they 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 brought out all this energy in the crowd just because they're like, I don't know. It felt like you would watch them, and it felt like you know, I, I, like quote unquote, you're like not watching a band from the valley. Right, like, like they were they were performing like they were on a much bigger stage. Sure, yeah, they, that's yeah. said in the in the talking. That's right, yeah. What's up, McKellen? <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, maybe talk about uh, my question about the the advent of the internet was um, you maybe talk about the union and how people utilize that. Right. So um, like even before the union, mm-hmm. um, it's like it's early internet culture. It's like bulletin boards and shit like that. You yep. know. So um, the idea that you would use the internet to broadcast yourself to the world like Wasn't was it? not a paradigm yet. Sure. It's like the only the only thing uh, the internet's good for is like connecting with the people I already know. Right. Because otherwise, how's anyone going to find me? There's no search right, right. engines, you know. Sure. So like the the bulletin boards and the message boards were like all local. It's like it's the scene talking to itself. Yeah, mm-hmm. you got you got to see that URL on a flyer. Yeah. Yeah, they would have to make paper flyers <laughs> to advertise it's a website. Long yeah, yeah. like eighty characters. Yeah, that's hilarious. G- Geo Cities slash yeah. you know yeah, 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 yeah. Punk, punk Rock Avenue that's slash so one <laughs> Tilda seven yeah, and, four four. And 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 it was like fiercely local, you know. So like people would you know they they'd, they'd argue with each other, but like if uh, somebody from outside of the valley like wandered onto the boards, they would you know get the fuck out of here, you know, sure. lo- locals only kind of uh, things so uh, like. Uh, you know, people from people from uh, thinking that it was like the San Fernando Valley punk page, like right, it was right. the Valley punk page. Sure. So they would wander in there by accident and be like, "Oh, you bunch of fucking poser kids!" Like, and they'd be like, "You don't even know who the fuck you're talking. To. <laughs> the fuck out of here." Um, and it, it was like this kind of sense of that, you know. Sure. And um, and the union message board was like an extension of that of that first like gotcha guest book format. You yeah, know? yeah. Well, and before the union board, it was the Valley Punk page. So there's uh-huh. a guy named Bobby Ink from the band Inkbag who um, was, I guess, just a little bit nerdier than the rest and wanted to make a place online where people could find out about shows and I guess also talk shit about each other constantly. Yeah. <laughs> it's so important though. That's like the connective tissue yeah. of the scene. Yeah, Absolutely. that's what people yeah. do anyways when they talk to each other. It's actually fucking Mexican people. But, but, <laughs> yeah, exactly. no shit, right? uh, but, but for us, like, you know, because the Valley is a bunch of different cities. It's a, it's a, it's a long uh, kind of stretch of counties and they're all connected by a highway system. Sure. But, you know, I lived in Westlaco, which was, you know, uh, it was a drive to get to the shows in McAllen. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was a way of like, being part of that kind of uh, the social aspect of the scene, 
it could happen like all week mm-hmm. between the shows. Yep. And so like that becomes like your whole world is like those people like, you know, I don't, I'm not really as good of friends with all the people I go to high school with. Sure. It's like, you know, some people from my high school go to shows too, but it's like, that's the thing that's like the important thing. Yeah. Yeah. And everything else just kind of blurs Absolutely. past you. Yeah. So, so yeah, that, that culture is really like getting stronger and stronger and stronger like that, that board uh, allows people to keep on interacting with each other. And so the scene really becomes tight knit around that time. And then it grows into the union um, gotcha. where, where uh, some people are intentionally trying to bring together. It's like originally called the union of hardcore. And the punk the, the Valley union of punk and hardcore. Valley union yeah. of punk and hardcore. Mouthful. <laughs> you have, <laughs> yeah. You have these, you know, distinct scenes that are, that are happening very similar to what's happening in the Valley these days, actually many, many different scenes uh-huh. all spread out. But there was this idea to like, hey, like we're just barely scraping by. But if we pool our resources a little bit, mm-hmm. we may be able to like make a big thing. We may be able to make something that lasts. Do this regularly. Yeah. And like, then eventually something does the, that's documented in the film of the the music festival that happened mm-hmm. through. Was it Stump? Was it Stump. Like? Yeah. Stump. The South Texas Underground Music Festival. Uh-huh. Well, and that's just one part of it because there's also the union comp. Mm-hmm. You know, there's this, there's this, and, and then there's the regularity. So there's this. The stump is kind of like um, one of these sort of like high high watermarks of that of that period. Gotcha. But but it takes a minute for the union to figure out their get into a rhythm of like okay we're getting dues we're voting on bands like mm-hmm. we're making sure we're making were sure you everybody guys can part play. of that process. Yeah yeah yeah. We were yeah. In the, that's that's when we were in high school. Uh-huh. So we would go to meetings. Uh, they would be at first. They started in the in the like the all purpose room of this like this like really run down apartment complex in Edinburgh. Uh, El Bos- it was no Bosque. It was like I don't know. It was one of these like little apartment complexes there. And so we we would meet in the in the little like room where the the, the washers and the dryers are, uh-huh. and you know vote on bands and stuff. And then eventually the meetings moved to the McAllen Public Library. So it, you know, it's, 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 it has this like very kind of like nerdy kind of component to it. And it's like in the there was a manifesto that yeah. was written uh-huh. to. There was like an I, there was there was you know uh, some because some of the older kids were like in college and mm-hmm. you know so there's like a little bit of that political awakening and like yeah, know, yeah. reading some philosophy. Mark and hardcore. He went uh, like on the board. It was like subcomandante Marcos. <laughs> yeah, know, like very yeah. very much. In Did your you ever face. buy a there's... balaclava? <laughs> no, no. But I, I but I killed techno. Where's the ski mask? So it's getting close. <laughs> yeah. So it, you know it's like it, it it for 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 me at that age it's like I I didn't. Maybe I wasn't like uh, understanding fully like the kind of deeper stuff that was underpinning the whole thing, mm-hmm. but like getting into the into the habit like this is how things work. This is the norm for like how shows happen because yeah. it's the first experience, right? Sure. Um, and then and then learning later, it's like oh, these are the things that were kind of like going on behind this under the surface, and this is like why things were like that. Yeah. And it it, it you gain like an appreciation for how how um, unique that is. Sure. And how how special. Hmm. Yeah. And and it and it really incubates the next the next um, era of promoters and stuff is like you, anybody can walk into the to the union and take part in the meetings and be part of as much as you want to mm-hmm. in terms of throwing the show and you learn about how, well what are the elements that you need to throw a show and then you can uh, the next gen can can keep on doing that same thing yeah mm-hmm. so there was there's a big learning um, it was part partially a big educational force that comes out of the union so the union kind of like gets going gets regular meetings and regular shows going once a week once a month kind of thing and uh, then uh, they, they they wind up with like a surplus of money yeah like it becomes very successful because like when once you have the shows with any like any regularity it's like you know that at least once a month at trend point there will be a show Mm-hmm. Uh, prior to that, it's like uh, I remember hearing about a show at Trenton Point, like before the union, and we showed up. Like it was like, and it was a big deal to get all the way out there and stuff. Like you know, drive and right, right. in high school, and, like not everybody can drive. And, yeah. You know, right, so you get there, and, and it's like, oh, it's not tonight. It's like on another night, and <laughs> um, or, or or whatever. And it's like you know, uh, oh, I, I didn't even like really believe that that was like a thing. I thought, I thought somebody was, like fucking with me. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And and uh, but but once but once you know that like a thing is happening every once in a while and you can count on it like that allows the audience to grow. Sure. Because like you can tell your friend like hey come with me next time. Yep. Come with me next time and it's like the the audience grows and grows and grows. Sure. Uh, and and so now they're not like just surviving. They're like they have a surplus of money. Uh-huh. So like what are we gonna do with this? Let's make a comp. Let's make a comp. Uh, let's record all these bands and like uh-huh. have something. You know, this is like late nineties, early two thousands. Right. Having a pressed CD with the plastic is like a huge deal at that right, right, time. Yeah. You know, like not everybody can do that. Of Super legit. <laughs> yeah. So, um, was it 
uh, was it cool? I'm sure it was, but for for you guys to actually make a documentary about this effectively at this point for from your youth, like what was that like learning? Like you're saying you after like in retrospect learned more about what was going on on the like and behind the scenes. Mm-hmm. Like what was it like actually getting to actually you know fucking document this shit for for you i'm sure it was like super gratifying or it, it felt good it was it was it was it was hard it was a lot of work you know a lot of hours well you know it's 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 actually kind of frustrating because you know you you have a sense of the scope of how many bands there are and how much music there is and knowing that oh well there's a lot of limitations to how much we can actually cover and you know how many bands and how much music can make it in there and so so people are going to feel left out of course yeah <laughs> yeah but, yeah. but, but that, so that, that, that part i feel like was kind of frustrating but i i feel like it was really cool to sort of uh, tie those pieces together and um, and and make a make a story that people can can recognize is this is where this is where the, the music scene in the valley comes from absolutely it's yeah, yeah. Like this, the history of it and then also like uh, you know as w- once the project was like announced and we dropped mm-hmm. the trailer which is like very early on in the process and people uh, the excitement around it mm-hmm. was cool like mm-hmm. it, we it, it was it was it was it was exciting, but it was also like a lot of uh, pressure. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah, it's yeah, like yeah. oh, like uh, people are gonna care about it when it comes out, and uh-huh. uh, you feel um, something their eyes be left on out you. Or you know? something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's yeah. a lot of expectations. Yeah, yeah. Expectations. There's not a lot of there's not a lot of media representation about the the place. So like a lot of you put a lot on the few Absolutely. things that are yeah, coming sure. out. You know, there's a lot of uh, expectations, and and people bring their baggage to like what they think it should be. Yep, yep. You know, because everybody's like time in the music scene is like the most you know. There, that makes that era feel like it was the most important era to them. Absolutely. So, like, you yeah, know. And, and it's also one of those things that people love about the valley, or you know, like at least their time in the valley when they're young and stuff. M- many people move away, and there's still that sense in the valley of people wanting to leave, and there's nothing to do. Yeah, and It's yeah. kind of shitty and <laughs> that kind of stuff. And but, at for some folks, at least there was the 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 scene. At least they could go see their friends play. And that was, you know, that's always going to be a very important kind of magical time in their life. And so, um, so yeah, I think I think it it kind of like uh, gives people a sense of like something to be proud of from that place. Of course, how, just from there. How have people been receiving it from the valley? It's overwhelmingly positive. Like yeah, when when we premiered it in in Edinburgh, we did we did the we we did the premiere at South by Southwest in 2017. That's where we showed it for the first time in right. March in March but then in April we showed it in the valley the valley premiere and it was they're like ha- why didn't you show it here first it was <laughs> it was completely well San, San Antonio uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, the 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 audience was packed it was a 700 plus seat theater and it was completely full we had to turn people away holy shit and then there was an encore showing because because uh-huh. people more people came they were waiting to, to, see to see it yeah where, where did it play exactly it was at the uh, at the Edinburgh Municipal Auditorium. So right. It's like this old theater uh-huh. uh, auditorium uh, that they had just, damn, <laughs> they, <laughs> that they had just renovated, uh, and you know, and and so we brought in uh, like a screen, and you know, uh-huh. the the uh, the parks department or the it was the uh, no, it was the uh, Edinburgh Arts, the Edinburgh Arts Council, Edinburgh Arts Council, South Texas International Film Festival helped us set that. Yeah, one up. they kind of said like we really want to do this. What do you guys need? How do we make it? How do we, how do we do it? So we did the screening and then we got a show afterwards where we had like bands uh, representing all the different decades perform it was awesome real tight like yeah. that that little uh, plaza in Edinburgh is really popping these days but uh-huh. it was it was great like the theater's there you walk right outside and there's this big open plaza and they provided a huge uh, stage and all the sound and we had five bands from the from five different generations mm-hmm. 60s 70s 80s 90s and a, a current band play Gotcha. Yeah. So it was, it was real cool. Yeah. So that I mean that that the feeling in that room was like amazing. That's you know, awesome. People yeah. were super super excited. And we've done screenings around the valley since then, and, uh, and recently the movie uh, became available online. So uh-huh. so people who you know get, getting to a screening there only there's only gonna be one, and you got to be there. You know, it's difficult for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. So uh, yeah, I remember pe- me and Claudia were out here. We uh-huh. said that we couldn't go. <laughs> <laughs> but 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 now you know. Um, it's it's available to anybody so yeah, like yeah. you know people can uh people are experiencing this kind of like in little waves of people hearing about it again and yeah yeah and going and checking it out um so yeah at the at the end of the film it it's kind of like the we end it, it ends sort of like in the 
the early 2000s and it's people kind of again passing the torch to uh the new the current generation which um you guys interview the um, Patrick. What's what's his last name? Patrick Garcia. Garcia, who yeah. like owns uh, or who, who's uh, runs helps run the Yerberia Cultura, right? Right. Yeah, he, and helped, they, he helps run it with a couple of other folks. Yeah, and so they that's kind of known. That place is known for kind of throwing shows now uh, for younger people. Uh-huh. And so, what do you guys think of like how what the scene now and how it's developing and how it's continuing to grow with you know arguably a very tight foundation that has been laid down since the fucking sixties at at this point. Right. Well, like, you know, it's, it's this kind of like incremental push all throughout the decades. Mm -hmm. And, you know, um, Yerberia is like part of the, like, I don't know, institutionalizing some of these, like, like having, making sure that there's like always a, a, at least one place. Yeah. 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 Cause like th- that's the whole thing. Venues come and go it, and yeah, spaces it's, it's open and close. A dedicated venue. Yeah. Like one of the, really one of the only ones for that. Right. At the moment. Music. Yeah. And so, and so it's like, uh, that is being like a value. Like we should, we should be trying to have a place like that. Sure. Um, is 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 a value that's like, informed by all this other stuff. By all you know, like Patrick was going to the union meetings too. Like uh-huh. you know, I was playing. Our bands were like playing shows together and stuff. Uh-huh. And um, so it's it's like people who come from the scene, um, recognizing that it's an important thing, and then you know, in in whatever way that they can, trying to find a way to like, you know. Uh, make sure it keeps going or, or like provide something to like ensure survival. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I feel like, I feel it's cool. I feel like there's a, a whole bunch of acts now. Um, there, it, the, the, the scene has just grown exponentially, um, in every generation. And so there's, there's a ton of acts, although it feels like the same bands play every fucking weekend. To a certain <laughs> extent. I feel like there should be more venues. Cause like, yeah, yeah. Uh, like, people are putting their friends on way too much sure. <laughs> <laughs> um that's great man well um reached about an hour here appreciate you guys talking to me man um where can people find uh the film so that they can watch it yeah the film is uh, available for streaming uh you can get it on our website aiwttv.com mm-hmm. as i walk through the valley.com mm-hmm. um and uh yeah it's it's out there for anybody to check out and and if you don't, uh, if you're like interested in the movie, you're not quite sure. Oh, I don't know. I don't. Wanna, I don't know if I want to put my card out and do the no, numbers you... thing and the whole thing. We got a we got a soundtrack up. That's like this extended sort of intro to the movie. It's uh-huh. it's like a ginormous liner note sort of thing. We highlight a bunch of tracks awesome. throughout the whole. Thing. I actually haven't checked that out myself. We, we, and we and we describe the scenes. You know, we uh-huh. describe the bands, and so you get a, you get actually some some more insight uh, to a certain extent um, through the through the soundtrack thing. And then there's a list, a YouTube playlist of fifty over fifty tracks. We try to include all of the songs that are in the that are in the film. Gotcha. So if you're interested in the movie, go to our website as I walk through the valleyfilm.com or aiwttv.com. Yep. Go to the Facebook bullshit, the Instagram, all that. Y'all know how to do that stuff. shit. Yeah. <laughs> you know how the internet works. <laughs> click around. This is in uh, 1995. Yeah. <laughs> click around and and find the soundtrack and just check that part out. Absolutely. And if you like if you like the tunes, if you like the story, then then watch the movie. Absolutely. There, there's some other really cool stuff in the movie. Absolutely. The like best I- version of Hey Mr. President uh, is in the movie, the live yeah. version. Oh, and then uh, also, um, this is slightly random, but I love the. The kid playing the Star Spangled Banner with the accordion. Oh yeah, That's, yeah. That that, that was something totally by chance, and uh-huh. it was kind of late. Like we had already premiered the movie. Yeah, yeah. We uh-huh. already showed it South by in the Valley, and, and really, we, yeah. we, we the 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 section where we we're walking through Brownsville. So that's footage that you guys captured. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So we oh, were everything is what we captured. Right. Right. I mean, I, I wasn't oh, like um right right like, uh, archival. Yeah. 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 yeah gotcha. So so uh, after we premiered it, we you know you watch it in front of people uh-huh. like a bunch of times, and you're like, yeah. oh, you know, maybe we should. Change it, and it, we of figured course, yeah. right up until it was like available online, uh-huh. like we can still fuck with it. Sure, of course. <laughs> you know? Hell yeah. So now, now it's done, you know. But right. but uh, so we, we so thought, that part was added on. Yeah, after. we should we should go and check out. We should go walk through Brownsville. It's really beautiful, and uh-huh. um, some of the people who are involved in like the venues there, um, in art spaces there, uh-huh. uh, give kind of give us like, a walking tour of the downtown. Uh-huh. And as we're walking with them, we hear like off in the distance this like uh, like a little street festival being set up. Uh-huh. And as we're walking in, like. This a bunch of kids from one of the elementary schools. JT Canales J- Elementary. JT Canales Shut Elementary. Shut <laughs> uh, uh, one of the one of the kids from the one of the programs is is playing Star Spangled Banner. That's crazy. It's a beautiful touch. <laughs> I can't believe it wasn't part of the original cut. That's no. yeah, yeah, we were, yeah. We were really really happy with um, with how that turned out. Yeah. Yeah. The kid was the kid's a great player. 
and then when we filmed it, then we were like, oh, we don't even know who this kid is. Yeah, yeah. So after we the need, fact, we had we to need track a release him. form. Yeah, we, <laughs> had, yeah, we had to track him down. Yeah, like, yeah. Find his mom and stuff, but they were that's, super, super happy. with That's it. awesome. Oh, last question, motherfucker. I forgot. Uh, what? How did you guys come up with the name? Like, as it seems pretty obvious, but it, I think it's a really solid like. Uh, label or yeah. a really solid name. So we're listening to a lot of Coolio. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it, well, we, made, we made a big old spreadsheet. We made a big list, you know, uh-huh. like you know, um, uh, and and we're just like from all kinds of different, you know, places. Mm-hmm. Like of course, and it, and it seemed like the the term the valley needed to be in the title. Of course, somehow, yeah. That's how that's how we all call it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. So so we made a huge list of things that had that in there. Yeah, just crossing them out until 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 we got to that one, and it's like, yeah, I mean, that's mem- right. it's that memorable. Fits. Yeah, like people have like a you know, like I, it feels like a thing that's maybe been around for a while, like <laughs> since, yeah, the, it's, the, it's, it's the Bible <laughs> and shit. Uh, and so so it just it just felt it just felt right. And then yeah, you, know, a, you start getting title. feedback on the title, you mm-hmm. start hearing that it's a great yeah. title. It's awesome, like, yeah, cool. We gotta. Not always easy to come up with a title. Like we we had that really early on. So like gotcha, it was, it was gotcha. Cool. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Perfect fit, man. Always yeah. easy. Um, as I walk through the valley, uh, look it up. Please check it out. Uh, support these guys. A really good film. Thanks for talking to me, guys. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having us. Of course, right. man.